Hi, I'm Jennifer. I am a learning associate with Jigsaw Learning, and today is going to be our very first episode of the Putting the Pieces Together with Jigsaw Learning podcast and webcast series that we're putting together to share the wisdom and knowledge as the team grows and as the movement grows for support in schools. Today, our first guest is co-founder and lead learner, Curtis Hewson, an award-winning... <laughs> Hi, Curtis. <laughs> Curtis is an award-winning former administrator and teacher, and I have known him for a number of years. He His list of accolades is incredibly long, um, but he's the co-author of Envisioning a Collaborative Response Model, which he co-wrote with Lorna, his lovely wife, uh, and he currently works with districts and schools across the province, establishing collaborative response model frameworks that are responsive to their context. So, hi again, Curtis. Hey. So, I'm having a fantastic day. And you? Are you enjoying the uh, start of our first webcast? This. Joyful seeing yourself on camera. Oh, it's fantastic, really. (laughs) That's okay, though. You have the lovely backdrop of a hotel room, so. Yeah, it's, uh, I am enjoying the splendor that is Grand Prairie. Uh, Here today, up for a week, working with some schools. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, glad we could carve out the time. Absolutely. So, Curtis, Jigsaw Learning is primarily known for the collaborative response model. So, yeah. when you hear those words in context, what does that mean to you? Uh, in regards to what is collaborative response model, when I, when I hear that? Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because we, when we were describing the work that was happening within our school and trying to give it clarity as you're explaining it out to others and realizing that it's kind of like professional learning communities in a sense, but it also has some response to intervention E type elements. You needed to articulate much clearer the pieces and, and name it. So when we said, thought long and hard about this terminology of collaborative response model, the idea that we needed to have the word collaborative in it because it's central to this work to be able to not just work together and be collegial, but collaborating at a much deeper level, but that it would be that collaborative work really established on the question of how do we respond to students. That needed to be part of it. And then the idea of model, um, we debated the word framework, but really the understanding that it's not a program or a one way to do things, it's, 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 a, it's a model that needs to take into the context of your school. So uh, when I hear collaborative response model, I'm, I'm thinking of the series of structures and processes that we've built within our school that over time become multi-layered and complex, but is all around essentially how do we work together to support the needs of kids. How's that for a long-winded, short response? And it's a great start because we're going to dig deeper into some of those responses. Okay, awesome. So when we look back, like I said, I've known you for a number of years, but I didn't know you back in 2006, but that's kind of when this all started. Mm-hmm. So you were the principal of Claris Home Elementary School. And so this is this is the, the homegrown Alberta start to the collaborative response model. Yeah. So what were the reasons or what was going on in the school that brought the introduction to those structures and process you were talking about that have become the collaborative response model? Yeah, you bet. Um, so coming into that school, um, I had about six years of admin experience behind me. 
had some work through a master's that largely reflected on building of structures and collaboration with schools. So I had already come in to the job with that mindset, but coming into that building, it was such a good place for kids. Um, we had really good teachers doing all that they could. It was abundantly clear that there were good things happening for kids and people um, really cared about their success. Um, so we were working from that area of strength. Um, but when teams in that school would come together to work, um, in some cases, it was productive. In others, through observations, um, the teams weren't quite sure what they were doing during this time. Uh, in others, it wasn't really set out how do we utilize this time. So that was really that starting place of how do we ensure that if we're going to work together that there's some clear structure for what that looks like. And then also understanding that if we're truly about seeing all of our kids succeed, do we have a place where we have a conversation collectively about those kids? And do we have some data that can inform who's not going to reach that overall goal? And let's, let's put all those kids on board and start talking about the ones who are probably not going to get where we want them to be on their current trajectory and start brainstorming what it could look like and understanding that if we really wanted to achieve the goals that we had set forth within our education plan, how could we ensure there were strong structures and processes in place? And how can we maximize the incredible teaching expertise and, and uh, just the good people that were there? How could we maximize it so that we could work smarter and accomplish more rather than that bit of a feeling that people were on a path to burnout, trying to do all they could for kids, but everyone doing it by themselves. How could we break those silos that I don't think are unique to that school that are, I see them over and over and over again within schools and districts. It's just part of our teaching DNA. And how do we bust that myth? And so that was the first steps of how do we, how do we do this in a way that makes sense is, is um, strategic, but is really student focused so that our energies can be best expended and have the greatest impact on kids. And so that's one of the cultural shifts that you often speak of is the yeah. my classroom, my students to our school and our students. Yeah. And you know what? I think everyone in our room would go to, or sorry, in our room, in our school would go to bat for one another. But there was a little bit of underlying, I'm so glad that kid's in your class and not in mine. And if I close the door, I'll work with my guys. And again, it, it wasn't the way to see success moving forward. Our classes, we talked about it then, our, our classrooms are just too diverse for one person to try and man it on their own. And we owe it to, to our kids and each other um, to work together. And the other thing that I've seen, so you talked about those, the the pillars, so the collaborative embedded time, the assessments, and yeah. the, the pyramid of interventions, continuum of supports, yeah. but you often talk about that visualization of students. Yeah. And so how did you find that shifted the conversations when you moved from just names to having pictures? Yeah, yeah, awesome question. Um, and I think sometimes, this is a spot 
that some schools skip over uh, little bits um, in putting this model into place. Having that visual board, um, Lorna has a great saying for this. It's, it's the idea that every student is with us in the room and worthy of a conversation potentially um, based on where they're at. That we're not creating one more space within our school to talk about that same child that we've been talking about in other um, situations within our school. We had learning support structures in place to have our individualized program planning conversations to talk about students on behavior um, plans, but we needed that visual board to help us remember that there's a lot of different students and could we establish that that visualization in a way that started to shine a light on students who may not have been coming up in the conversation previously and to also be really conscious of is there anyone that is potentially slipping through the cracks and what are we doing um having that board was critically important and it also helped us to see successes as they were happening and seeing more students moving to one side of a board than another um it, it would it just really grabbed onto people it was valuable to be able and there was something in those early days when it was a physical card on a board that was there with velcro there was something rewarding when you would physically move that down to a lower level of support now because of the success that we're seeing for a child that's fantastic and so yeah. As you speak so passionately about it, I mean, I can hear and I can feel why you are so charismatic in sharing the collaborative response model, but why do you feel the model has so much traction in schools and now districts across Alberta and beyond? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bit <laughs> uh, strange might be the right word, um, that there was never an intent of let's develop something um, that can go out. It was how do we respond to our guys within our school, our building. Um, but once it started to gather requests and schools are coming in and um, starting to get requests out and you start sharing and then writing some of these pieces, I think where the traction comes is really around two big things. The idea of every one of us, I hope, get into this profession because we want to make a difference for kids. Um, I got into this not because I was passionate about ways to scaffold assignments or ways to build better assessments. Um, those are not the ends. They're the means to the end. And the end is seeing kids succeed, um, whatever that success looked like. So at the very heart of this entire model is how do we utilize the ambition of seeing every child successful as the driving force for us to envision different ways for us to go about our work. So I think that's one, is um, our collaboration is centered around something we're deeply passionate about, and that's the kid. If we do this together, we are going to have greater success than anyone trying to do it on our own, and every teacher knows what it's like to feel isolated within a classroom and awake at night trying to figure out how you're gonna deal with some things tomorrow many hands makes for for lighter work but understanding that when we're doing that together it needs to be 
well-structured. There needs to be a clearly defined process. We all have enough meetings um, in our lives that if this one's not really seeing highly productive work come out of it, uh, I'd rather just go back into my own classroom and do my own thing. So I, I think that's where the traction has come, is the, the focus on the child and then also the idea that together, when we're focused and working together, we can have greater impact, which again, all of the research that's out there um, right now around how we do our work points towards focusing on collective efficacy, building the what we do makes a difference, and here's the evidence that I have that it's making a difference. Patty talks about it as his number one factor that we can control in relation to student achievement. Hargreaves is now writing, and, and should, not now, he has been for a long time, but referring to this idea of collaborative professionalism. Um, for us, it's, it, it's interesting that a model that pre-existed, some of that research base is now um, really, really in line with the idea that working together will see benefits for kids. Absolutely. And as you... So, Jen, to go back on the, why does it have so much traction, I think part of it is it has that strong base but then also understanding that every school it needs to look somewhat different because we all come from different contexts. We have different staff, building configurations, um, grade, grade configurations. Um, it, it's not a one-way one recipe. Um, we, I think the first line in the book is, this is not a silver bullet. There's not one way to go about this. It's, it's a way of thinking through our structures in our school but recognizing it's a journey, not a checkbox of things to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And I was going to jump in there and say, I think some of that has to do as well with the supports that Jigsaw Learning puts in place in as schools and districts envision and embed the model in their systems. They're not just coming to a one-day PD session and then walking away and being left alone to try and figure it all out for themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's been one of the exciting things as it's grown beyond. Um, there's a large number of schools that have taken this further into a deeper depth than we ever got to um, within our own school. Um, just the layers of support that's been able to be built around this is just so exciting. Uh, for it and people understanding that it's it's a process we're working through this um, and always tweaking and and growing and evolving and there's an incredible sharing of resources both on behalf of jigsaw learning but on behalf of the schools and districts that are engaging in the model oh my goodness it's it's been so exciting to see the sharing the successes that are happening a school that comes up with a pre-meeting process that's genius that you just want to want to be able to share the school that's got their continuum of supports up on a bulletin board so they can reference it in their team meetings yeah it's it's amazing what innovative passionate people can do when they put their heads together so as we look at the growth of the collaborative response model being adopted across Alberta, and last year we had our first uh, Saskatchewan contingent join us at the collaborative response model conference, and this year we have some Australians joining us at the conference, does it ever feel surreal to see it gaining so much traction? Yeah, totally is. 
Um, it's again, it it made sense in our elementary school um, for what this would look like. It was messy work. I would not say that everyone was raw raw at every point uh, along the way. It opened some can of worms that sometimes may have been better <laughs> for being left closed, but it wasn't in the best interests of kids long term. Um, but absolutely feels surreal when you hear of districts saying this is our organizational framework. I, I think it speaks more towards what many minds have put together than the model. And each time you share it out, there's one more layer of clarification that comes with that articulation. Um, but again, it's who can debate working together for the good of kids. And it's just, how do we put those structures in place? So yeah, it's surreal, but exciting all at the same time of seeing this work grow. And so you talk a lot about the structures mm -hmm. and the, the need for collaboration. How do you respond to schools that say, we don't need a formalized collaborative response model because our teachers are collaborating all the time and they talk about kids together all the time? Uh-huh. Um, usually, I've now reached a point that that's usually a flag that what you consider collaboration and what I would consider collaboration are probably a different definition. Um, chatting about kids and getting along and sharing resources and, you know, stopping at recess to problem solve something that I'm dealing with. I mean, all teachers are doing that. Good schools have that happening all the time. Um, and I would never say stop doing that. Absolutely. But it's one thing to be sharing, updating, communicating, helping, um, which is good. That's, that's good for kids. It leads to a, a solid culture. But I would say in many respects, that's sometimes a culture of collegiality um, where, yeah, we're working together. We're doing this for kids. But I wouldn't call that necessarily collaboration. Um, it, it's elements that contribute to strong collaboration in time. But for me, when I see a team meeting that is high functioning and collaborating, you sometimes don't see people getting along. You sometimes see debate, you see argument, you see pushing of one another. Um, I'm able to say to you, interesting, what if in your next novel study you had several novels that you're going to allow for students at different levels of reading? to engage in and rather than you being defensive or put off by that comment it's it's brought back with a hmm, what would that look like I'm, I'm curious what you're thinking around that that truly collaborative means that we are constantly reflecting um together we're pushing each other we're utilizing and i talk now um that oftentimes the student is just the way that we use to leverage a conversation about our classroom practice. Um, I'm way more invested in thinking of a different approach. If I think it's going to help Manpreet, than doing it just because um, someone said that I should, or there's a mandate that's come down from wherever it comes uh, to us. So when the response back is, ah, we don't need the structures because we, we talk about kids all the time. I 
I would probably feel that, yeah, you're probably talking about kids all the time, but talking and acting and really, truly collaborating to a level of depth are different things. So in your experience as an administrator, um, what would you say that your role in the collaborative response model was in your school? And how did you see it evolve, the culture of your school shift? Yeah, another great question, um, because I, I've had a lot of chance to learn, to reflect, think through. If you had asked me this question 10 years ago, I would have told you my job is to help solve the problems. Um, I would fix. And I, I would lose sleep if I didn't know how to go about a particular problem or that. Um, I owned a lot as an administrator to help take things off people's plates, which I felt was how I was best going to help utilize or, or serve uh, the group. Now, I'd still want to engage in that servant role and still roll up my sleeves to help in any way that I can. But I would see now that my role would be more about asking questions and building capacity. Um, I would spend a lot more time working on how are we collaborating together. Today, let's um, let's really push our innovative thinking. And I'd like for somebody to just keep track of how many times we say what if in our conversations today, because we want to try and get deeper in this. And who'd like to be the recorder today? And when a teacher is struggling with this particular situation or what can we do, that I don't need the answer, but let's start asking some really good questions. You know, what have you tried that's, that uh, hasn't been successful uh, for another individual? What have you done within that? If, if I have, if I have an idea that could work, boom, we're going to say that right away. Why, why spin if the answer is already in the room? But to, to understand that in our roles, we don't have to be problem fixers. We have to help everyone come to a, a solution that may not exist currently in the room, that asking questions and what ifs is going to help us arrive at a place much stronger than any one of us could get to on our own. So I guess my role as that leader would be to see how can we facilitate and build that capacity in everyone within the school and to first be the model for that within our organization. And I refer to myself as lead learner, that I'm learning all the time. And someone who's learning is reflecting, is asking questions, is inquiring with, with colleagues. I, I really think that's critical for leaders moving forward is how do you build those structures and processes for that to happen and then when you're within them how are you building the capacity of everyone around the table so one final question for you curtis okay if you were going to share one success story about the collaborative response model if someone was going to come to you and say sell me on why crm 
Do you have one highlight in the years that you've been engaged in it that you would be like, this is the why? Uh, well, we have numerous in regards to achievement data, in regards to accountability pillars. I was out of school three weeks ago where their autumn-colored accountability pillar is now all blue um, throughout three years later. Um, the data pieces are there that point towards the success or the, the model that schools are seeing or, and districts as well. Um, but to me, the, the ones I always love is the individual kids one. Um, I often share a story of my own nephew, uh, Joffrey, that, um, yeah, amazing kid, amazing kid that has challenges like any other kid around this, but through the work that they were engaging within the school and the collaborative processes that he was in and the engaging in the what-if conversations together, arrived at some innovative ways for, for this kid to be able to interact and gain value and <laughs> use his strengths to work on areas that he needed to work on to reach a place where the success for this child as a 12-year-old is something that I don't think any of us that knew him at a younger age would have seen. It's He's the most amazing success story I have for it, and it's always hits home that it's someone that you care and is that close to you that you love. Um, I also love being able to be in meetings and where you can hear this, this student, we're still seeing struggles, but they're now coming to us on a regular basis. This kid last week opened up to me for the first time because of what we had set up. And hearing those is, is the exciting, exciting work. Seeing, seeing success for kids that may have happened in the past because good teachers have always found ways for kids to be successful. But setting up a set of structures where that success is not hinged upon a single individual, but it's guaranteed that we're going to come to something because of the conversation and the, and the processes that we have in place. Um, because of the school that Joffrey was in, it was guaranteed that something like that was going to happen for him. It may have looked different in, in another place, but the outcome would have been the same. If we truly want to ensure all students can succeed, that you need structures and processes that guarantee that's going to happen over time. And every teacher that was involved in Joffrey's meetings gets to feel the success and the celebration for being yeah. a part of that team that contributed to his success. Absolutely. And understanding that there's, there's still going to be tough days, there's still going to be frustrations, but hey, that's what makes, makes this work exciting. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Curtis, thank you for your time. I know you're busy up there in Grand Prairie. And right. so we appreciate it. And we'll Thanks. talk soon. I'm really excited on where the webcasts and podcasts are going to continue to go. There's lots of uh, really interesting and thoughtful people that I'm going to be excited to see what they're bringing to the work here moving forward. Lots of learning and wisdom out there to share. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Take care. Okay. Thank you, my friend. Bye-bye.